that, that sort of energy to tell somebody to hit me again is just fucking insane. So I'm backing him. I think he's going to have maybe his biggest result ever at Pipe, which currently is a third. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, he could go on to win his first CT event. Welcome to The Drop on the Stab Podcast feed. My name is Danny Johnson and I've been away for a couple of weeks. Thanks to Mikey Saramella for filling in while I was gone. Mikey's back this week with Stace to preview the Pipe event and the upcoming World Tour season. But before we get to that, let's chat to Brendan Buckley, Stab's editor-in-chief, to hear all the news from the past week in surfing. How you going, Buck? We're back. We are back. We're back and uh, I'm happy to have you back. I understand that you were caught in a volcano and something about cannibals? Oh, yeah, yeah. The volcano thing. Well, the thing about volcanoes, Buck, is they're not actually that hot. They're, they're massively overrated in terms of their temperature. So, yeah, I'm fine. Really? I'm, uh, it feels good to be, to be back. And, okay. and you're, still, you're still on the rock, it would seem. I am still on the rock, but back to this volcano thing, I think you should check your Slack messages right now because uh, I, I got you a gift. Oh, what is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Watch it right now. Watch it right now. Hey, Danny, I just want to say I am so sad, and we just want to give you a big boost. I heard you were coming from a tough month, and you got hit by a volcano. How does that happen? Attacked by cannibals? Is this real? I don't know. Anyways, I just attacked by volcanoes. I don't know if it's real. We want to welcome you back. I just want to say you island by. Oh, Danny, welcome from your tough month, yo. We just want you to have a speedy recovery. We wish you the best get well. We gonna say like never take L. You gonna have to take a W after that. We don't wanna wish you no L from volcanoes, yeah, cause it gets real hot right there, yeah. And I'm so glad you're blessed for recovering. You're an island boy, Danny. Finally. That was like one of the best ones I've seen too. Did you pay extra for that buck? Thank you so much. And they're so confused about, I had to like write a message for them to read and they were so confused clearly about the volcano and the cannibalism thing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's surprising <laughs> given that they're island boys. I thought that was typical island uh, goings on, the volcanoes and cannibalism. <laughs> you know the prices dropped i was looking at them like before christmas and they're like 500 and i got that one for 180 so pretty good deal that's not what you do after you give a gift you don't tell someone that it was on on sale okay yeah full price then our top story this week john john florence and Kristen moore win the 2022 vans triple crown of surfing and I believe uh, I believe somebody predicted that, no? <laughs> yeah. Yep. The hot favorites delivered, and uh, and you nailed it, Buck. I was going out on a limb saying that, Danny. Come on. Yep, you've done it, Buck. You've you've, you've nailed another prediction. How how was it? Did you get to see some of the performances? I did, and it was really cool. Like it's it's so funny with this format, just how. On most days, one of those waves is going to be better than the rest, right? Like, I think when pipes on, everybody prioritizes that. But there are days where, like, the wind's a little bit weird and sunset's good comparatively to other waves. Like, so I feel like there are these, like, kind of super sessions that happen here because everybody's kind of on the same track mind. Uh, so I got to see some of it. And I never saw Carissa in the water, but 
ran into John a few times, and it's just absurd how good he is at surfing. It's not fair to anybody else, and it's absurd. It's offensive. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it is actually, oh, it hurts almost how good he is. Yeah, because with, with Carissa, like, I think she actually impressed me more with her triple crown clips. Like, there was, John was just so predictably ridiculously good that it was just, like, annoying. I was like, yeah, okay, like, we get it. Stop. We get it. Yeah. It's, it's over. You won. Whereas it looked like Carissa really pushed herself. And even in the award ceremony that we went to on Monday night, she had said in her speech, like, talking about how she pushed herself to surf waves like Pipe and Sunset more than she ever had in the past. And, like, she was fucking tearing out there. I don't see how anybody's going to beat her in the start of the year here. Maybe Moana Wong, actually, at Pipe. But other than that, like, she seems like she's just going to be unbeatable again. Yeah, and I just love, given that they are the favorites, I just love how serious they both take it. John John, in John John's winning interview, he talked about how much time he spent in the water just hunting down clips. And he said that next year he's, he would actually probably try and surf less because he completely cooked himself um, by surfing for so long. What about going into next year? Is there anything that you're going to try and do different? I think next year it would be healthier for me to surf a little bit less. Uh, <laughs> I had a couple sessions that I didn't feel very good after because I surfed for too long. Six and a half hour sessions, 4,500 to 5,500 calorie burns. More shorter sessions rather than less longer sessions. Nice, that means you're getting older. <laughs> it's a sure sign of age. I'm happy that he took it that seriously, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you were, he was talking about being stressed about like people overtaking him and everything. I was like, do you see how you surf? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, I actually really like Mikey's take too in the latest pickup as to how Crosby was able to beat John because John won Sunset, Halle Eva, and he won overall, but it was actually Crosby that, that won the pipe category. How is it that the modern-day king of the North Shore and reigning pipe master lost to a 20-year-old kid from San Clemente at his home break? If you ask me, it's because John's wave selection is just too good. He gets the most perfect waves that come through every session at Pipeline, leaving little room for shock and awe. Meanwhile, Crosby, as a non-local, is forced to go on waves that either nobody else wants or that he needs to share with friends, resulting in more dramatic and apparently score-inducing rides. Yeah, oh, he's got some theories in him, doesn't he? My dream is just for the Gabby and John rivalry to ramp up to the point that Gabby wants the Triple Crown title. And then next year, he camps out on the North Shore to take on John. And I mean, maybe that's why he's taking this year off the CT to, to uh, prep for the Triple Crown. Wow, are you manifesting that, Mr. Byron? I'm trying. I'm trying to channel all my chakras into vibrating that out into the world's energy. Channel all your chakras. Carissa Moore and John Florence are the 2021 Stab Surfers of the Year. I mean, what what's the deal with these people, you know? What do you say? Right? Like, are they just... Were you surprised by any of that? No, certainly not. Carissa won absolutely everything this year olympics world title vance triple crown and and she also did one of the best best airs ever done and then so if, if her fellow surfers didn't vote her stab surfer of the year then it would be pretty strange it might point to some i don't know some carissa conspiracy some conan hayes related uh type event but yeah uh, i mean and definitely not surprised about john either he he even even though he didn't win the world title or olympics he's he definitely has 
surfing in a bit of a stranglehold right now. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous that he still got rated number one by his peers in a year that he didn't surf for like half of. Yeah. Maybe some recency bias there, Buck. Sort mm, of forget about could the... Could be a little bit... Ooh. Forget about the start of the year. coming out. You know, that's why... Okay. That's why... That's why the big movies uh, start to show up at cinemas around awards season because they want to be front and center in people's mind. John John very tactfully uh, recovered from injuries at the perfect time. Wow. I didn't know that about the movies. That's, that's a good point. That's interesting. Um, one thing I like about this whole thing is that like I love when there's some controversy around it. I, I love when people get mad at it, you know, when like they say, oh, everybody's just picking their friends or it's so biased and... To me, that's kind of the point, you know, it's, it's like we're polling 50 people. Isn't it nice that they're going to say different shit and have different views, right? Yeah. When someone does a really straight list of, of simply the best surfers, it's, it's a little bit boring. You want people to, to show their, a little bit of taste in there. People that are of their, whether it's their friends or just people that set them off in general for other reasons, just than, than results or peak performance I, I definitely want people to to have some obscure opinions in there oh absolutely like i i get more out of seeing dane reynolds pick mickey clark than i do seeing anybody pick john it's like i already know that john is the best surfer in the world like sure yeah say it in your own words but have fun whereas dane picking mickey i'm like oh what does he what does he like about mickey like i like mickey too but like to see see him on dane's list like that was just like that's sick well I, I want to know more. It's so good to, to have what's almost what's combined. It's free surfing competition, but it, it it's an opportunity for free surfers and people that just make video parts to get a little run, a little time in the sun, and, and be ranked and rated by the world's best versus just uh, results. Yeah, yeah. And another thing with it, I think it's so funny. Like the process of getting those interviews. I was talking to Sam Mack about it. He's been here doing interviews still, but he um, he talked about the first year just having to like literally track people down, like wait outside of houses and like, you know, corner somebody when they're eating, like shit like that to get it done. Cause it's, it's pretty daunting. I think everybody agrees to it and then just realizes it takes time and effort. And then you have to actually track them down. I think it's just, you know, they're like, oh yeah, that sounds fun. And then they go to sit down and do it and they're like, oh, this is hard. And it just delays and delays. Like, like Kelly, which I almost think was intentional, just gave us his picks like the day before. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, dude, he was definitely following and wanted to just make it dramatic. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when he walks down the beach limping on his, on his sore foot, just to add a little bit of drama and, and, and hype before the start of a heat. And then he goes out and does an alley-oop or something. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> hey hey you're the limping guy and i love that italo picked himself this year and said that i view myself as an inspiration to myself that's just like my favorite quote ever yeah imagine waking up looking in the mirror and just being inspired that that is <laughs> just if it was as simple as that for me I, I think i'd live a different life it's quite the opposite hate that guy in the mirror that's looking back at me while i'm brushing my teeth <laughs> he is a dick <laughs> Gabriel Medina is taking an indefinite leave from competition. Uh, when Julian Wilson does that, it just means he retired, but I think Gabe's is actually indefinite. This is huge news, though. This is massive. 
Yeah, this is huge, especially given that he had 2020 off outside of his own decision-making, that one, of course, and then to come back and just be in the window that he's in at the moment, which is basically close to unbeatable. I think maybe John and and Gabby at their peak, it's hard to split them in terms of who could win a world title there. But, yeah, he's he's walked away. It's surprising. It really is. and it, I mean, it sounds like he's had a lot going on personally and that's understandable that he wanted to just take some time to focus on that and work through some things. But he mentioned it was interesting in his Instagram post. He didn't mention it in the English version. He wrote something in, in Portuguese and then in English and the English version didn't have this bit about a hip injury. Hmm. Um, and then we saw something from the WSL yesterday and they said, Oh yeah, like his hip and then his shoulder too. And I was like, Oh, shoulder too. Huh? And so I guess he is actually dealing with something physical too, but we don't know too much about that yet. Look at you doing the deep dive research, entering the Portuguese into Google Translate. That's <laughs> very deep. One day I'm going to be able to figure that language out and get keys to a place on February 2nd there. so <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I having only read the the English version, version and he talked about what he's been going on emotionally, kind of actually humanize him a little bit for me because just because of his radical levels of fame like globally, but especially in Brazil and he just seems like a god to me. And then when he, he's got that steely approach to competition mm. where he almost shows no emotion. I mean, he cries occasionally, but in terms of his ability to block out pressure and just perform, it, 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 made, him, it made me realize that he is a human being, Buck. A mere mortal yeah, like the yeah. rest of us. Yeah, I didn't really like categorize him as human either. It's almost like when they captured Bin Laden and they raided his computer and hard drives and actually found pornography on them and then i think like a lot of people's the common reaction to that was like just like ah he's just a a regular guy you know maybe a little bit evil at times but he's just he's a regular guy that that does regular stuff and so i mean you go you go off to hide out for a while what else are you gonna do yeah i wonder what what category it was what kind of genre we had going (laughs) it might have been uh quite dark it might have all the heads might have been chopped off i don't know but I would I would actually like to visit that maybe it was just like like Pamela Anderson nudes in her prime and and somehow he had this weird kink based off of the West and she's just such an icon of it and I feel like he would just like hammer himself to Pamela nudes. Yeah, well, talking speaking about Pamela, Slater had time off and <laughs> came back and won more world titles. Fanning did it. Carissa did it, even though her planned year off ended up being the 2020 year that everyone had off. And mm. I feel like it's part of the part of the the great athletes' story at this point. Michael Jordan did it. He had he had three NBA championships and then and then left, quit, retired at his peak, and, and went and played baseball. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think Gabby's going to do with his year off? I would like to see him get into another sport. Well, we know he doesn't free surf, so there's. He probably won't surf. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, soccer seems like an obvious one, but I don't think it's baseball. Mm, maybe like ice hockey. <laughs> In Brazil. Yeah, why not? I kind of I kind of have a sense too that like, it's almost like, uh, you know, no parents type situation on tour when he's not there. Because like, like you'd have to, if you were on tour, you'd kind of look at this as like an, an opportunity to 
I don't know, not have to serve against Gabe. Like that's kind of huge. Like you could really benefit from that. You know, it's almost it like you see the same thing at like pipe over here too. Like when the top people aren't out, the whole vibe is so much different. It's like everybody, it's almost worse to get a wave because everybody's like in so much more of a frenzy because they view it as like a tight mm. little window where it's not going to be like this forever. Like, and you just it's scrambly and chaotic. Yeah. Um, it's disappointing for me because I love the John and, and Gabby rivalry so much and if john wins the world title next year there's always going to have this slight feeling of like, oh what could have the title race been like, i know Oki mm. talks about his world title and and is a little bit self-deprecating about it because he says that kelly wasn't on tour that year so you know he was he was fortunate in that sense yeah i'd love to see the wsl even like do something like if, if it's just not gonna happen on its own why not just make it happen? Why not just do like a weird like specialty event where it's like just them two together because they can't do other events. Like nobody else could pitch that event and make it happen because the WSL pretty much owns them. They can't do other competitions if they're going to compete on the WSL. So they're the only ones who could do it. Yeah. If Yeah. If we're not going to get that super heat or whatever it is naturally, like just fucking make it happen. Why not? Yeah. Well, there's actually the, this, the feature that we're doing at the moment in the lead up to Kelly's 50th birthday where we've got photographers from around the world showing us a different photo every single day and they always come with anecdotes. And one of the stories, one of the photos is of Kelly ripping at macaronis and um, it's during the Fly in the Champagne trip that he did with Andy Irons so at, the, at the peak of their rivalry or towards the end of that. And I thought I would love to see is a Fly in the Champagne to John, John and Gabby. There's a lot of flies here. <laughs> is there? Yeah. Rivia, Rivia, Rivia Projects is the fourth high-profile surfer-owned brand. Julian Wilson went and started a clothing company, didn't he? Yeah, it's it's the trajectory a lot of pros are on at the moment. Leave leave a major clothing label and and go into business. What do you make of this, Bach? I. I don't know. It's tough. Like I'm, I'm happy for these people for sure. And I think it's awesome. Like to see people having a crack, right? Like I don't think you could really ever downplay how hard it is to like, I think anything, especially a task like this takes so much more work than probably like the everyday person realizes. And so Revia might not be for me. I'm not really sure yet. I haven't seen too much of it, but I still love that he's trying. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it seems to have some cash behind it too. The big dollar. Because it's it's launching dollar. it's launching globally. Australia, US, Europe, and Japan uh, in June this year. So we should see product then. I actually interviewed Julian a couple of days after his contract got uh, prematurely cut short with Hurley. We walked into the garage where we were, we were going to set up to film and his boards are there and they still had the Hurley stickers on them. So he had to like sort of somberly peel those off before we started filming it was such a odd thing to see those things leave his board and just have that bare beak because he's been with that brand for so long and uh he was dressed head to toe in palace do you know that brand the uk skate brand palace mm -hmm. i know he's like super inspired by those guys and they do a lot of interesting stuff so they like they partner with um reebok adidas ralph Lauren, and then they do these they do these things where they when they release products they do them like every friday uh, they they put out new products with limited numbers. So I'm wondering if Julian's going to take like be inspired by those guys and try and do some some different stuff like that. 
Interesting. Did you are you around the same size as him? Size? Yeah. No. Is he No, you're not. Why is that? Well, when people switch sponsors, you could always ask them for like a free wetsuit because they, they can't wear it anymore, you know? <laughs> no, I was just I'm thinking not... of you in that in that garage as he's like somberly peeling stickers off and you're like, so what are you gonna do with all the suits, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a little too chubby to to get his hand-me-downs, but I'm sure there was some groms showing up on his door. Just begging for him. Begging yeah, for him. Yeah, I I would like to see that's interesting that whole palace bit. I would cuz it seems like none of the brands are really like trying to I'm sure everybody's they seem really successful and it seems like you'd maybe pull inspiration from them in some way, but I think the whole like limited release thing. I haven't seen any of the surfer owned brands try that. So Yeah. It'd be interesting to see Julian go that route. Yeah, I guess it's taking a leaf out of the Supreme playbook where they have limited numbers of their things and they have such a cult following and, and it just elevates the elevates the demand for their product and and surf companies probably aren't in the position to do it because they have such huge and wide distribution channels that they could do it with limited runs, but it's not as suitable for for their just general product offering. So there is definite potential to to mix it up and, and try and take a similar approach. I mean, I don't know if he's going to do that. There's no, there's not really much of an indication of what this brand is going to be from, from what we've seen so far. Founded on the endless search for fun, we're here to prove the idea that staying active has nothing to do with staying at all. Constantly curious, forever keen. Dirt, sand, concrete, we'll take it all. This is our playground. I kind of hate brand spiels. I feel like you shouldn't be so explicit when you're trying to tell people what to think about a brand. Oh, I didn't actually hear it. Uh, I do. I'm with you in hating brand spiels, though. I just prefer it when brands don't try and explain themselves. I'd prefer to just leave it up to the audience and just just be less explicit with it. And then, you know, like he, I, I read on, on when Stab covered this initially that the brand's named after his, his two kids river and olivia that's like their names combined and i don't oh. want to i don't want to know that I, I i feel like that that stuff gets in the way of creating a unique perception for a brand wow river and olivia look at them it's it's looking pretty slick either way uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what he does mm, mm. i guess for julian he is he is actually like talented skater he's really into motocross and bikes and so it's just a bit of an all sports approach Seven six versus six two. What's the call for ten foot pipeline? So let's rewind a little bit. The backdoor shootout was won by Team Snap Four and individually by Mason Ho. On that team was also Baron Mamiya. Mason's on the seven six. Baron's on the six two. They were obviously trying to do very different things at the wave, although not really as different as you'd think. Like. Mason was still knifing some pretty crazy drops. It wasn't like he was just like rolling in on this seven six. Like he was still had to negotiate really, really steep drops and like get it done. And so it's interesting. He won the event. Like I feel like the the thinking over here got so obsessed with like a shorter board in the barrel, you can maneuver it better, just have to take off late and knife it, whatever. And I was even talking to Tosh Tudor about this, who's like He's the type that he just is really focused on trying to get good waves at pipe. Like he's out there first thing in the morning, any day it's breaking, like that type. And he's really like 
studies it and really thinks deeply about what it's going to take to get the wave he wants out there. And he was even saying, like, that shorter board thing, like, it seems like John John just got in everybody's head. Like, John could do it, but, like, for most people, like, you're going way too small. You can, you'd be better off on something bigger. And so this is the story on the Stab Premium that unpacks it. And uh, you could ride a 7.6 at 10-foot pipe if you want. Yeah, well, the, artic- the article starts mentioning that, that Kelly really started this trend and he did in that, that really brown kind of gross mm. looking big pipe day in 2008 when he paddled out on that, that tiny little thing that had all that foam hidden in the nose. And it feels like longer than that to me that, that short boards have been the thing out of pipe, but it's such an interesting article that they're, dif- they're different approaches. Mason won, so maybe that's where the, the buck stops. Like if, if he won, then that's, that's the better option or at least for him. I feel like when you watch them on those bigger boards, there's a, there's a few, there's a, like more options when you've got that longer rail and you can get in a little bit mm. earlier and bottom turn. Whereas when you, when you take off on those shorter boards, you don't have a choice but to sort of be under the lip and be be deep immediately. Whereas there's, where there's a little bit more um, slowing down and, and drawing lines into the pier. And it reminds me of when, did you see when Tom Carroll got that exhibition heat entry into the Pipe Masters? It was probably five or six years ago. And I remember that, yeah. And he was riding like a similar looking board as he did the snap on. Yeah, and and, and it was yeah. long. It was really big. And he's a short guy, so it was it looked even longer. And it looked like a different wave because you just hadn't seen anyone surf the wave in the same way he did, where he just does these big swooping bottom turns and setups for the for for the tube. Yeah, yeah. And even like some of the guys that have really been put in their time over the years, and I don't think people are gonna question when they're paddling for a wave, like uh, Tamayo Perry is like probably the best example of it. He rides a really big board out there now and just waits for the wave that he's waiting for, you know? And uh, even guys like Mark Healy and Mikey Bruno, like all three of those guys were out yesterday and they're all on really big boards. Just like, it's almost like once you have that, if you can, why would you want to be on? If you can ride a shorter board or a bigger board, why would you want to go shorter? Like, why not just like have that foam, be able to get in the way you want to get in and really like, have more control, I guess, in a way. I guess like a shorter board, you have more control in the actual wave and you can turn it more quickly, but like just being able to position yourself and get into the wave where you want to get into it, it's like, it's a different game when you have more foam. Yeah. And I love the way what Mason says in the article where he says that when he's on a bigger board, it makes him think about words like easy and fun as opposed to when he's on a shorter board where he's thinking about words like survival and gnarly. What, yeah. what are, you, what are yeah. you thinking about when you paddle out at Pipe Buck? What words are in oh. your head? Uh, yeah, probably like death, uh, <laughs> terror, <laughs> terrorism. Yeah, Bin Laden. <laughs> We've got some North Shore rumors. Not really rumors, actually. It's not the right word. More just news. I wrote the intro and I phrase it as like this is just news before you've really heard about it. It's just what people are talking about over here. We've been here for over a month with the pickup and everything, so kind of a compilation of the whispers that we've been hearing. Uh, That will be live by the time this podcast goes live. So go check that out if you want to figure out who's taking Gabriel Medina's bed at the Rip Curl house, for example. Another good one in there, uh, which has been talked about for a bit, is Kalohan Dino had a fun little interaction at Pipe slash Backdoor where he got slapped. Um, he was asking for it, literally. Uh, he told the guy to do it. I guess the guy kind of made a comment and he was like, what Like, what do you mean? The guy said like, oh, it's like lowers out here. I was like, 
what? <laughs> like it's it's piped, don't you know it's gonna be crowded? And uh it escalated to the point where Chloe's just like, Well fucking hit me if you're gonna complain. Like, come on, hit me. And maybe it was more of a punch actually than a slap. I said slap, but it, I guess the guy goes to hit him and kind of just punches him in like the side of the neck. Mm, and Chloe's like, Are you yeah, and like I guess it wasn't even powerful anyway. And he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like that was the worst punch I've ever seen in my life. Like are, that's really what you're gonna do? Like, wow, that's insane. Like, keeps on going. And I think it kind of ended with Chloe just like being like, "Wow, you must you must have a shitty life, huh?" And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, I kind of do." And so, oh man, and then they hug. Yeah, and then they hugged, and now they're staying together <laughs> in Gabby Medina's bed. Yeah, yeah. Now they're standing together, and it's going to be a movie, um, kind of like forgetting Sarah Marshall, which was filmed over here. Kind of a little rom com, you know. Oh, I hope Kalani Rob gets a small part in that. Uh, he will. He will. Hey man, you remember me from breakfast? Oh yeah, the cocktail guy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh. Take the breakfast buffet. What? Go stabmag.com, stab premium, subscribe, or uh, just have a shitty life like that guy back door. <laughs> Is it time? It's time, Buck. Wow. Did you... Okay. So the volcanoes, the cannibals, you had some time to reflect spiritually. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you feel? I mean, this is going to be the first penance you administer in about a month now. You you feel rusty? Do you feel revived? Like, where where are you at right now? Yeah, no, I feel super sharp and ready to pass judgment on on strangers. (laughs) Something I worked hard on over the break. (laughs) So yeah, let, let's hear it. Let's hear who's this. Who's this from? Well, this is a secondhand one. He's confessing on on behalf of a of a mysterious gentleman. Yeah. Okay. This one is submitted by Andy Beswick, but it's not actually his, his surf since. But let's hear what he had to say. Hey lads, uh, I've got a pretty good surf in here. Uh, it's not actually involving myself, but it's too good that it's just got to be told. So I had a friend last year. Uh, he was over in New Zealand. I hadn't been surfing too long, maybe six months. And um, he's rocked up to a beach and he's noticed all these people catching waves on their knees. And he's paddled out. He thinks they're maybe having a competition, but he's surfing out of the contest area. And he just starts having a chat with one of these people riding waves on their knees with flippers on and he's having a bit of a chat and he's like oh it's really cool that you guys have you know a kind of disabled surf competition to which the kneeboarder probably looked at him and thought he was an absolute prick for calling them all disabled um but yeah just wonder what his pedants could be obviously he had no idea that kneeboarding was his whole own sport and he's caused massive offense but yeah what do you reckon, lads? Keep it up. I really like a surf scene on behalf of someone else. And that one was, was, was great. What do you make of that? That is brutal. Uh, I mean, the, the guy must have thought that he was being such a dick, right? Like, I don't think you could ever interpret that as, like, as somebody being confused, like you, you'd have to be like, "What a prick this guy is!" And plus, you paddle out in a in a heat. It sounded like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. you can't do any of that. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, he interrupted what he thought was a heat, which is, uh, which is, I always think that his friend said he was outside the competitors area, but yeah, strange move. I mean, on one hand, strange, but his intentions were clearly good. He was encouraging what he thought was <laughs> disabled people having a surf competition and then went out of his way to compliment it. So, I mean, a lovely guy, but also clearly an idiot. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, you're right. His intentions were good. And I think that's why. I'm going to end up with the penance I ended up with. Like, I think it's, it's not like he went out with bad intent. It wasn't a malicious act or a malicious mm. comment. He was trying to be nice and supportive, yeah. but I think he just needs to be more risk aware. I mean, to me, it's like almost like when you, when you ask somebody if they're pregnant, like you got to be pretty fucking sure before you take that shot. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what's your penance? My penance is just, it goes back to that risk awareness thing. Like going up, just assuming that somebody is disabled, it's just a risk. And I think he needs to be more aware of that. And, and like he needs to just weigh things up before he acts or speaks like that. And so to learn more about risk, I think that he needs to, gambling only works when it's with money that you're kind of uncomfortable with that uh, that's the only way you're going to feel something with it. If you throw a little bit on, you're not going to feel anything. I don't know. Some people do it. Like, I won $3. It's like, good job, asshole. Uh, you need to throw real money down to feel anything, I think. And so I think he just needs to go into a casino with amount of money that he is uncomfortable with entirely, something that could be really damaging to him, and put it on whatever color he feels on the roulette wheel at that moment. Like that, I like that. He's got to he's got to put some serious. And what if he wins though? That's going to be hardly a penance. But I mean, well, then the I mean, he might go around taking more risks, and, and that's that's just his journey through life. And could I'm be, okay with that. Could be one of the ultimate backfires in terms of a penance. But what about if he loses? He has to swing us the cash. I mean, sorry, if he wins, he has to swing us the cash. That works for me. My penance is slightly different. I I was just blown away uh, the, the disconnect of in, in logic that this guy had because. I don't understand how you could assume that active kneeboarding would be possible for someone with a physical disability. Like what disability would that be? They're clearly using their feet because they've got flippers. Their arms and legs clearly work. I don't really, I can't imagine like what, is he assuming that they were born without shin bones or something? Like what is the, what is the disability that he's assuming they have? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he thought it was more like a, like a mental Oh. disability maybe he just thought that that was like was like not asking people requiring them to stand up would be the a better way to level the playing field i mean mm. maybe the same thing could be applied to like blind people yeah uh, which i of course am among um yeah okay. but well i think he has a mental disability given his 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 logic here so and and part of that it might be letting words exit his mouth before applying applying the proper filters of logic so my penance is that he he must ruminate on his thoughts before speaking and, and therefore go an entire day without talking. Ooh, wow. Yeah, that's good. That's it's good. it's probably harder than it sounds. I, I know Dave Rastovich was famous for not talking on Tuesdays for a while there and I think if he can do it every week then this guy should be able, at least be able to sit on his tongue for a day and, and uh, really think before he speaks. Rasta wouldn't talk on Tuesdays. Yeah, he went through a period of, of 
Silent Tuesdays. I think it might have been Wednesdays, but I think it was Tuesdays. And if he wants to make it easier on himself, just go move to a foreign country where you don't understand the language. Because uh, I'm pretty sure I had a few days like that in France where I just couldn't speak. And, you know, not to generalize, but French people aren't. I mean, Americans are the other end of the spectrum, right? You walk around here and somebody's like, hey, how are you? You're like, what? I don't know. Who are you? French people uh, are happy to ignore you. Yeah, just, you don't really talk to people on the street there. You just maybe like a little nod or like something, but like it's not it's not like here. Um, so it's pretty easy to do that there. So if he wants to cheat it a little bit, just come France without speaking the language at all and might be all right. All right. Well, this unnamed uh, offender will we'll hopefully see you in a French casino soon. Yep, there's one right in front of my house. Is there? Yeah. Do you, do you ever ever walk out of that thing with a pocket full of money? No. I've gotten kicked out, though. Thanks, Buck. Please send your surf sins in. My email is in the episode description. Danny at stabmag.com. Bucks is in there as well. Buck at stabmag.com. And now let's hear from Mikey and Stace with Stabcusp. Hey there, and sorry for the brief intermission, but um, just after Stace and I finished recording the Cusp episode that you're about to listen to, the WSL dropped a couple of really important and new rules for this year's tour that I wanted to let you know ahead of time. So the big one is that seeding. This season, it will not change depending on how you perform in round one. Last year, we saw surfers who won their round one heat. They were able to jump to the top of their tier. And this year, you basically are going to keep your seed throughout an entire event. So say you win your first round heat and you're the 34th seed or whatever. If you make it to the third round and so do surfers one, two, and three on tour, you are automatically going to go up against the third ranked surfer. So this makes the job even harder for rookies to come on tour and make that mid-year cut, which happens after the fifth event. Um, because they're not able to basically fix their seed within a single event and make it so that they surf against a lower-rated surfer. Um, So it's really interesting how that's playing out. I don't know exactly why they made that decision, but they did. And keep in mind also that there's only going to be one throwaway event from the first five events of the season, and you're going to keep four of those first five events, and that is going to determine who makes it to the back half of the year and also to the 2023 championship tour going to be the top 22 men and the top 10 females so yeah it's not easy being a rookie but for now let's just go straight into the rest of the episode of the stab cusp all right and welcome back to the stab cusp that is the currently untitled surf podcast i am michael saramella joined here by my co-host all the way in australia stace galbraith but you know what i think we need to go straight into the big news of the week and that is of course that gabriel medina is taking an indefinite leave from wsl competition what are your thoughts pretty crazy timing uh a week before the event starts I'm happy for him that he's made the decision because I, I feel like he probably was battling with himself for a while there. I don't think a decision like that would come very easily at all. So I'm stoked that he's made a decision. And um, yeah, I, I just hope that everything is going all right in, in the Gabby camp. It sort of, um, he hit the nail on the head on his Instagram post when he says that, you know, he's been focused to win a world title for the better part of it coming up to a decade almost. So it definitely definitely would take it out of you yeah well there's a lot of layers to the whole thing like 
there's that. There's, you know, the fact that we know that him and his family kind of went through some things last year. He went through some major changes on a professional and personal side with losing Charlie as his coach. He also said that he has a kind of a minor hip injury going on, so it seems like it's physical as well as mental. Yeah, just like you said, it takes its toll. We saw last year Simone Biles, most famous gymnast in the world, just basically say, I'm not going to compete in this one Olympic event. I'm just like not feeling it. My head's not in the right place. And I think it's really cool that athletes are doing that nowadays. Like it seems like back in the old days, it was kind of just like you just suck it up and compete. You know what I mean? And now people are really taking their health and their mental health seriously and putting themselves first. And I think that's really important because we, we really can't imagine what it would be like to try to be the best in the world at something even if that thing is as like beautiful as surfing, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of weight. Yeah, definitely. Particularly how young and how early he was dominant in his career. He grew up on the tour. He grew up on the road. So, um, it certainly looked like he did a lot of growing last year and, um, obviously reunited with his biological father, which that's no small, small feat um in, in itself you know that, that can take a lot of sometimes the, the younger person has to be the bigger man and sometimes that can kind of suck if you know if gabriel's the one doing the reaching out so yeah it's uh yeah like you said there's a lot of layers to it yeah and i think that it's too it really kind of harkens back to katie simmer's decision not to take that tour spot and it just kind of reconfirms what we were saying is Sometimes when you start that early, I mean, you look at Felipe Toledo as well. I know that he's gone through some similar just, you know, kind of like, man, like this is really a lot. And I'm sure that there are plenty of other surfers that have been there too. I mean, you look at Slater, all that success he had, he quit the tour after winning five straight world titles. I think his last title in that run was like 98. And then he took three years off. Didn't come back until 2002. Um, Similarly, Carissa Moore, She was intending to take the 2020 year off, which, of course, then happened just by happenstance with COVID. But, yeah, she was not going to compete that year after winning the title in 2019. And then, of course, she came back and won it in 2021. So Gabby's definitely not the first surfer to do this. He's definitely not the first mainstream athlete to do it. Um, But I think it's great. And and also to your point earlier, I really think this was a last-second decision because we talked to some people that are in the Rip Curl house right now and up until two days ago or three days ago, he still had his name on the door of his bedroom. Like his bedroom was still kind of ready for him to come in. And uh, yeah, looks like they can finally pull the tape off and maybe somebody else can slip in there. We heard uh, might be Morgan Sibillic getting the top top bunk now. Oh, absolutely not. That's Owen Wright every day of the week. Although I do know in other team houses, it, was, it did go hard off your ranking. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to... Um... We'll have to see about that. But Gabby leaving, um, as much as, you know, we're happy for him, it does, it totally changes the odds of this event. He's been in the last three Pipe Masters finals. He's been in five of the last eight. He's only won one, but he's always a contender. And, yeah, basically not having him him in this means that in, there's another final spot open right now. So I think, should we uh, get into some of our thoughts on the pipe picks and what's going to go on in this event coming up in the next few days? Yeah, that, that sounds unreal. But before we move right along, I think we have to give a tip of the cap and somewhat poetic justice to uh, Gabrielle's place taker, which is uh, Kaio Abelli. Yeah, that that was pretty interesting. And like, 
I wrote the story about Gabby taking time off and like uh, p- the part of me that is like just the little fucker really wanted to like kind of make a little joke about that but it it is kind of like such a, a serious thing and and I wanted to not make it at all seem like we were I don't know like shitting on Gabby or shitting on Kai or whatever but it is pretty funny that he's the one that got Gabby's spot in the end with their colorful history it it you have to have a little chuckle at it it's it's pretty funny um but yeah Kaio's going to get it get a crack yeah and, and on that point as well um there was a bit of a movement to get quote unquote put mace in the masters even though this isn't technically going to be the pipe masters but don't shoot the messenger um and mason it doesn't seem like there there've been a few different spots that have opened up one was taken by Ivan Florence. He got Ryan Callanan's spot. Um, we talked about that last week. And then, yeah, as we just said, Kyle Belly is getting Gabriel Medina. So unless something crazy happens, it doesn't look like Mason Ho will be getting a spot in the event. I know Jordy Lawler is also over here and extremely hopeful that he would get a spot. Yeah, yeah I guess it just it depends if somebody gets injured or maybe gets sick or something like that. You never know. But. Definitely. But yeah, like you said, there is one, basically a, a spot left in the final now. Pretty crazy to think how dominant he's been and over there. Yeah, I guess with that, should we just go kind of straight into some of our thoughts on who might do well, who might not, and the, the whys and why nots? Let's do it. But uh, we have to hear it from your perspective, which is the perspective of the pipeline master himself. 1.5 reef chip in Mikey Sierra Mella. Yeah, I have, um, I have spent a bit of time out at the pipeline the past few weeks. Um, and aside from trying to get my own little vanity photos for Instagram, I was able to witness a lot of interesting behavior out there and some patterns and kind of who's getting waves and who's not. And I feel like I've actually learned more going into this event than I have before of any event. So I don't know if that necessarily makes me more confident in making picks, but I do have some insights that I would like to share. And, um, you know, these I'm not there 24-7. I'm sure I missed a lot of really great waves and important things, but I have noticed a few different little trends. And the biggest thing that I've noticed is that rookies do not get waves out there whatsoever. Like, it has been a real, real, real struggle for guys that are just coming onto the CT trying to get waves. Um, I tend to sit it off the wall, so I'm kind of looking into back door. I can kind of see who goes left at pipe, um, but I, I can definitely see who goes back door. And I'm not seeing a lot of the guys that are coming on tour getting waves, and then I, I'm seeing a ton of them filter over to off the wall, which is never really a great sign if you're trying to warm up for the Pipe Masters because it's kind of off the wall is kind of like the island of misfit toys. It's like where all the outcasts go who can't really get a wave in the pack. And you just go over there just thinking like, oh man, I just can't get anything at back door, so I'm going to go sit it off the wall and probably pack a closeout. And I've been seeing a lot of them over there with me. Again, it's really, really hard. I liken it to like, imagine if you got, if you qualified for Wimbledon, right? And for the two weeks leading up to the event, every serve you hit, there's a bunch of like territorial British guys standing there at the net just swatting all your serves down. It's just not, it's, it's not fair. Uh, but again, life isn't fair, and this is surfing, and every other rookie has had to go through this exact same thing. So I guess you just kind of have to grin your teeth and bear it, and I wish the rookies the best of luck on January 29th, the first time that they get to actually surf pipeline. <laughs> they will actually get to go and sit on the peak 
and choose which wave they want, which could be very frightening. Terrifying, especially when you haven't had those reps to be like, oh yeah, like I know that I can take off this deep. I know that I can, you know, I should be pointing my nose in this direction when I take off. Like there's so many little nuanced things that you need to learn and they're just not able to learn them due to the circumstances of that lineup. Uh, Meanwhile, the tour veterans, even though they're not at the top of the hierarchy, still manage to always get their waves. You know, guys like Jordy Smith, Italo Ferreira, Leo Fioravanti, like those guys, they go out there and they've just spent enough time out there that people know them, they respect them, I think, for the most part. At the very least, they know that they're going to go no matter what. So it's like, do I even like bother starting the little hassle back and forth thing? Like, so yeah, it's been, it's like the the rich get richer, right? Um and the big dogs are going to eat. So, yeah, they're getting plenty of reps when they don't necessarily need them, and the rookies are getting no reps when they definitely mm. need them. So you made an interesting point earlier, um, which we might talk about in, in later in the, the, the pod, about who would win which Triple Crown locations, and you didn't have John winning pipe, which I think, looking back on it, was, was a great call, and you, you were proved not correct in your pick, but correct in your theory in that a big, ugly wave could come to you, and if you swing and go, you will get a big score. And I really like that point of view, and I think we saw that with Crosby Colapinto. So what he obviously won the pipeline part of the Vance Triple Crown. Crosby's not even a rookie. How's he getting such good waves out there? Well, that's... Okay, so you want to talk about the dynamic in the Rip Curl house. I've thought about this a lot. It's got to be really demoralizing for these guys who are rookies in the CT coming home every day knowing that they didn't get a legit wave and Crosby's just gone and got four of them again. Like, I guess, again, it comes down to, like, the time spent out there. Like, you were getting to it the last time we chatted, and Crosby just every single year he spends, like, three, four months out here and just goes... every day he goes to the biggest heaviest spot basically and just takes off on bombs and people recognize it and people respect it and yeah like you said he won the pipeline wave specific thing in the triple crown over john john which is incredible and he has that level of respect despite the fact that he's young despite the fact that he's not from there and despite the fact that he's not even a rookie he gets it because he's there and he's doing it so anybody can do it and it's just a matter of putting in the time and having the balls to go when it is your turn and when that wave comes. So, yeah, there's a lot of layers to it. But I would imagine that it's a little bit embarrassing for a lot of those rookies in the Rip Curl house. And there are quite a few of them. And, yeah, as I was saying, I, I just I think it's going to be really tough for the rookies. Um, the Maybe the one person who that might not apply to is uh, Joao Chianca. Well, but he's got his own little situation. So Joao went out the other day when it was like ugly second reef, like really scary looking pipeline, like not especially good, just big and whatever. But of course, he's going to go out because he's a Chianca. Um, I talked to one of the CT guys who was right there when he was taking off and he said it was the stupidest thing he's ever seen in his life. Basically swung last second on a bomb paddled three times, stood up, airdropped all the way to the flats, and then just went with the lip straight to the bottom, got stuck in a cave, hurt his back, hurt his knee, and he is apparently fine. He was able to leave the beach under his own power. He did get some help from the lifeguards getting in. But um, yeah, he's just a bit of a lunatic, and I think that people, I don't know if they're necessarily scared of him or scared for him, but he seems to get waves out there as well. And 
I don't think that that is going to stop in the event. So I, I could see him potentially having a run if he gets a little bit of confidence going and picks the right waves. I think that's pretty much it. Picking the right waves for him is going to be... Yeah, for sure. He might freak out being out there with only one or two other people and, and, and it might be too overwhelming and he might just continue to take off on closeouts when he could really be taking the perfect ones. So yeah, hopefully he can stay composed and, and get it done. Because I, I agree, I think he's an incredible talent and he does all the hard work when it's looks ridiculous you know same with someone like Ballaram Stack like they're out there when it's just doesn't even look surfable and you know hopefully hopefully he can just cool his jets and pick off some nice green tubes yeah there's something about that Volcom sticker that like I don't know does something to people's minds and they think that they are absolutely invincible and it's a beautiful thing to watch but You'd hate to see it go wrong. And luckily for Joao, he got out of what could have been a really, really bad situation relatively unscathed. Um, but to the point of him being a bit, you know, too excited maybe out there, another person who I really saw that with, and, you know, granted he's a pipe master, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. Of course he could do amazing. But Italo just does not seem content sitting on his surfboard. I was out one morning, and I, I went over to Off the Wall pretty early, and he was over there. And like any, like if you've ever been to off the wall, it's maybe one in 10 waves is makeable. And beyond that, like one in 20, one in 25 waves is actually good. And he just, every single lump that comes through, he like has a paddle and has a look over the ledge. Like he's just not, he needs to be standing or paddling or riding waves. And I think that when it comes into a competition, he's able to kind of like snap into gear and be like, okay, I know I need two and blah, blah, blah. But it was just interesting. He just has this really like manic energy that when you're sitting in the lineup, it almost makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, it's like, man, I just, I don't know. Like when you're sitting off the wall, it really is like a patience thing. And he just doesn't seem to be like on that level, like energy wise. And so you just feel a little bit uneasy just seeing him like paddle back and forth from the right to the left. And you're like, holy crap, like, all right, I get it. (laughs) You want to surf, but those waves aren't going to do much. Yeah, he's definitely a little energizer bunny. That's for sure. And I think that worked well for him. Uh, it it did it did win him that pipe masters. He kept surfing, and and Gabriel sort of sat and waited. So I'd very be very surprised to see him change his strategy once the comp actually starts. On the women's side, one of the things that I feel like kind of needs to be addressed is the fact that the WSL put that women's team together for the backdoor shootout. So you had Moana, Bethany, Kayala, and Bianca Valenti. I think Malia actually might have swapped in for one heat of their, like, six in the whole event, or maybe two of them or something like that. But originally, that team was supposed to be Carissa, Malia, Coco, and Moana. And I don't exactly know what the reasoning was, but when it came to the first day of the event, Carissa did not show, and so she was replaced by, you know, one of the other three women, as were the ones for Malia and Coco. So... I do think that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Obviously, Carissa went on to win the Triple Crown, and she won every venue, including Pipeline. That being said, I can't imagine a better opportunity for anybody to go and get practice out at Pipeline. Like, if We know Pipeline is going to be on the women's schedule this year and probably forevermore. And it just, I don't know, it just kind of was like Ugh. like I get it, you don't want to get hurt before the season starts, but that being said, like you have... They ended up getting four hours out there alone, and you can be selective. And 
it just seemed like a really good opportunity that I think was maybe a little bit missed. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely think the first two days were specialist material. I'm not too sure that I'd ever seen Malia or Coco or Carissa out there when it's that big. Uh, And... I think they all made decisions just based on based on that. Like Bethany, Kiala, and Moana are, all have a proven track record, so it wasn't really too much of a surprise to me there. And then when the swell dropped off a little bit, perhaps yeah, a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, but still, I think those three names, and if you add Steph in there as well, they're, they're starting to show their true colours, and 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 that is they all have the skill set. It's just a matter of can they get their time in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, Steph got a really good one this past week that you've probably seen on Instagram. Malia, I've seen out there as well. I've seen her charge and thread some really sick backdoor waves. I don't think I've seen her, like, make one. She seems to just kind of find ones that have been closing at the end, but it's like she's clearly putting the effort in. Um, And then I've seen some of the rookies out there, you know, the Gabrielle Bryans, the Betty Lou's, um, Molly Picklums. I've seen them more out on kind of, like, not like just kind of smaller days that aren't that great. And I haven't really seen them get too many waves. I saw Betty Lou get a couple small rights at backdoor, but yeah, I don't know. It's again, you know, they're dealing with the same exact crowd as all the male rookies. It's not easy at all, but considering this is going to be the first like women's event at pipeline, I'd love to see them out there a little bit more, just trying to get any, anything they can really just to get that feeling of like, okay, I can do this. I've done this before. Uh, And in a way I, kind of feel like the women's tour might be having a bit of an identity crisis in the sense of that they've been pushing a lot of high performance surfing lately um, particularly with the judges and, and, and the venues that they've been going to but then this year it just starts out with Pipeline Sunset. <laughs> it's definitely not what those young women would have been practicing for so they're going to have to have a quick crash course in um, how to get their head around a late drop. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. I mean Ultimately, we saw how quickly the women in that backdoor shootout progressed, like from day one till day three or four or whatever. They got so much better, so much more comfortable out there. And that was why it was a little disappointing, I guess, for me to see that some of the CT women didn't take that opportunity because they would have gone from, if if they were feeling like they were at a five, they would have gone from a five to an eight or a nine just in those four days. Like it was seriously crazy to see how much better Moana got, Bethany, Kealo was making some good ones in the last day. You know, Bianca, like it just, it was, it was really great to see. But in the end, um, I think we can probably say with confidence that the two women who are surfing pipeline the best right now are Carissa Moore and Moana Jones. And they happen to be sharing the first heat together with Brisa Hennessy, who's also no one to sleep on. So yeah, how do you feel about that? Where do you think that heat's going to go? And who do you see kind of coming out on top of the event as a whole? Um, I definitely think it's it's going to be a great litmus test for everyone in the event. The you know the judges, the spectators, the surfers. That heat is got it's got everything in it. Um, it's got the the five time world champ, obviously, and then the, you know the new queen of pipeline. So it's going to be interesting to see, along with uh, Brisa, who's uh, also been putting up some pretty cool barrels on her Instagram as well. So. It's got it's got a mixed bag of everything. I, I think it, it's really hard to go past experience, though, and um, I think Carissa is ultimately going to win that heat and win the event. Yeah, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, I think, to what conditions they're given. The forecast looks really good for the event, just even the first day. Looks like it's going to be like 8 to 10 foot perfect west pipeline. 
Um, I would assume that they'd run the men. It sounds like what the WSL is saying is like, we're going to try to find a little bit more manageable conditions for the women, which I think is probably a good, fair decision at this point. Hopefully in the future, it doesn't have to be like that. If the waves are pumping, it could go either way. Um, But for now, I think it's better for the viewers. I think it's better for the athletes if they find a little bit more, basically just smaller waves for the women to compete in. Um, And that tends to mean that the lefts aren't as great when the waves are smaller at pipeline, which then plays into Carissa's favor over Moana's. So I think that there will be a bit of that as well on top of the experience advantage. But that said, uh, Moana's wave reading out there is unbelievable and her technique is incredible as well. So I think it'll all just come down to what sort of waves come through in that heat. So now on the men's side, um, we do have a few different things to think about. So the obvious person who you'd think was going to win this is John, right? He's the reigning pipe master. He is the winner of the most recent QS event at Pipeline, the HIC Pro. And he's the best surfer in the world, and this is his backyard. Everything kind of adds up to John winning. And I think that if you're betting, that's certainly the most logical choice. But he did, interestingly enough, lose the two most recent events. I'm doing air quotes because they're, they're specialty events. But the backdoor shootout, he got third place to Mason Ho and Valoram Stack. And in the Triple Crown, he got third place to Crosby Colapinto and Billy Kemper. Now, there is a bit of an asterisk on that last one because technically if John didn't submit a progressive craft clip at Pipeline, he would have had more points than Crosby, but that's how the game is played. So he ended up getting third. Do you think that anybody can beat John? Do you think these little thirds losing to a couple of blow-ins might rattle him? Or is he just going to go out there and do what he does every single day and drop nines in every heat? I think now that he's won one, there's going to be kind of this air of extra confidence around him. And there's the, the monkey's off the back now. It's not, oh, will John John ever win one? It's He's already... He's done that. He he is officially a pipe master, uh, even though, like you said, it's not called that anymore. But he he knows deep down that that was the one last thing he 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 would have had to tick off, um, you know, in the current part of his career to you know I think fulfill his his dreams. Um, and I can't see that really stopping. Uh, it's kind of seems boring to pick the two favourites, but I mean we did for the world titles and that obviously yeah it's just the best they're just so good and with Gabriel not being there I just don't see John losing to an Italo or all these other kids that are amazing like Ivan and Baron and stuff like that you know to go to win six heats um I just yeah I'm not too sure yeah it's interesting um you know some of the other talent that you could say could possibly beat John like you said Baron incredible Ivan, great. Um, but an interesting stat on wild cards is that a wild card hasn't made the Pipe Masters final since 2006. And since 2015, the best that any wild card has done in the Pipe Masters or the Pipe CT is ninth. So even though these local wild cards are like insanely good out there, there's just something about the, I think, competing aspect that they just don't quite have that same level as the CT guys. So are the wild cards maybe due for a victory? Is that what those stats are telling us? You could certainly make that argument, and part of me hopes that that's the case. But as of recently, and by recently I mean 
past decade and a half, they really have not shown up. Um, and then on the John side of things, another interesting fact is that he has three of the top five highest heat totals from the past, I think, seven years at Pipeline. And the other two belong to Gabriel Medina. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, And you really would think that how specialized that wave is, the local wildcards would have done better over the years, you know. Um, I I would say, you know, Barron is right up there. Uh, So, you know, like you said, maybe they are due for one. So you have John and Carissa for the win. Those are your logical choices. And I'm going to go John and just to make it a little bit interesting, I'll go John and Moana. I think you're probably right, but just to add a little bit of intrigue to this entire arrangement, I'm going to go for Moana. Now, what about a what about a dark horse for you? Is there anybody in your mind that stands out as somebody who could come out of the shadows and, and have a huge, huge, huge event? Maybe not necessarily like a win, but maybe make a semi or a final or something like that that people wouldn't oh, be expecting. For the women, I think Malia's been putting in a lot of time out there. And like you said, she's been packing a lot of closeouts, which is... One, very dangerous, but two, it's kind of how you have to learn out there. If you if you don't you don't kiss a few dragons, you'll you'll never get the prince. So I think she'll definitely get her chance out there with no one out there. And when she starts finding that that takeoff behind the boil, it'll be like a dream come true, you know. She won't have any pressure from anyone pushing down any sections or anything or having to go a second rate wave. So like you said, if they do run the women out there when it does get a little bit smaller, that'll favour her being on uh, being on her forehand. And I definitely think she's in that pack of women that are really putting in the work at the moment. So, yeah, I'd love to see her do well. And then with the men, there's something about Ivan Florence that he just looks unfazed by anything that's just death-defying out there. And if, if the forecast stays good for the whole comp... Um, I could really see him doing really well. And I, w- I would attribute that to he's not scared of anyone because he surfs with the best surfer in the world every day. So I don't think that he's in- going to be intimidated or that the situation's going to be overwhelming for him. I think every surf for him with John would be overwhelming just seeing the shit that he's doing on the reg. So, yeah, I think that... Um, I think Ivan Florence could do really well. You know, what I found fascinating... Um, watching him in the qualifier event, which was the HIC Pro, he surfed with John four times, and there were four-man heats. And they went one-two each time, obviously, because they kept progressing. But Ivan lost every single heat against John, which has got to be like, fuck, come on, man. Like, you you don't even need this. <laughs> like, just give me a break. So, yeah, I bet, I, I bet he's hoping he doesn't pull John in this event, but I'm sure he'd be feeling pretty confident against most other folks because he is really really good out there he's another person who has insane wave selection i think um the one thing about him is like i just wonder he just looks so good and casual it's one of those surfers that you just wonder if he's going to be getting sevens on waves that could be nines just because he makes it look so easy yeah definitely um he's definitely at risk of doing that um particularly because he gets in nice and early and and he has such a beautiful style that is a risk for sure but he's still going to be getting the best waves out there i think the best waves get obviously get the best scores okay so my wild cards for the women um i walked down to pipe the other day and just um kind of peeked my head on the little lookout thing and 
I saw Leo Fioravanti watching, and he said that Tatiana Weston Webb just made a drop into a barrel and out that he doesn't think he could have made. Apparently, it was like a psycho late pipe drop. I haven't seen a video yet. Tati does have a really sick photo of her at Pipeline on her Instagram. Maybe that is the same wave. I'm not sure, but it seems like she just has, first of all, she's not scared. And second of all, I bet she has still a little bit of a chip on her shoulder from that finals event. Like, I feel like everybody forgets because of how dominant Carissa's year was overall, but Tatiana Weston-Webb was one turn away from winning the world title, which is insane, but but it's true. <laughs> so I wonder if she's going to come back with this sort of renewed vigor um, in her surfing. I think Pipeline's the perfect place for her because she loves the barreling. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think that fire would be well and truly within Tatiana, and I don't think she needed much more fire than what she already has. So I, I think for sure, um, if it's big enough to be big, wide open lefts, you know, Moana and Tatiana just come, they'll, they'll come into their own. I think Bronte McCauley would have done really well out there, but obviously she didn't get a start this year. I think she's first alternate. Um, I'd like to think Caroline Marks, obviously being on the front side, could do well out there as well, but I haven't seen a heap of her outside of that Tahiti footage in big barreling left. So, yeah, we'll have to see um, have to see what she's got going on there. But I definitely think it favours the goofy footers once um, once the pipeline fires up. Yep. And then for my men, I have Kolohe and Dino. And this is sort of specific to an incident or an event that you may or may not have heard of from this past week at Pipeline. But basically, Kolohe had a little bit of an altercation with another surfer in the lineup. The surfer dropped in in front of Kolohe. I've heard two different sides. I've heard that Kolohe kind of swung last second inside of the guy. I've heard that the guy just straight up burned Kolohe. doesn't really matter for the general gist of this story. What happens next is Kolohe, I guess, hooted the guy when he dropped in on him. You know, hey, I'm here. What are you doing? My wave. And when they got back into the lineup, Kolohe, or sorry, the guy confronted Kolohe about his hoot, and Kolohe stood his ground, feeling justified in that action. And I don't know exactly what transpired, but it ended with Kolohe getting slapped. Um, But sorry, it didn't actually end like that. Kolohe got slapped, and then he said something along the lines of, is that the best you've got? And then I think he told the guy basically, hit me for real, my hands are behind my back. And so the guy wound up and he punched him. And I guess that punch wasn't great either. And Kolohe kind of laughed it off. And yeah, it was just this really big power move basically on Kolohe to (laughs) confront who I I think was a local surfer, um, which is a pretty scary thing to do anywhere, but especially in Hawaii and get slapped once and be like, that wasn't good enough. Fucking hit me again. And he got hit again and kind of laughed it off. And that was that was his session. And I just, I don't know. I, I think Kolohe has a, a new air about him of truly not giving a fuck. And he actually said this in his stab surfer of the year voting. He, he said about Gabriel Medina, I wish that I could truly just not give a fuck like Gabriel. Like he just isn't phased by anything. And I think with one becoming a father recently and two, maybe this new deal with O'Neill, Kolohe just feels like a new man. Um, and yeah, just that that sort of energy to tell somebody to hit me again is just fucking insane. So I'm backing him. I think he's going to have maybe his biggest result ever at Pipe, which currently is a third. And maybe, maybe just maybe he could go on to win his first CT event. So that's my dark horse. I've got a 
fairly substantial bet by my standards that Clohe Andino is going to win a world title in the next five years, and this is my last year. So I'm backing you. I'm backing you. <laughs> Let's go, brother. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, speaking of betting, uh, I haven't told you this yet, but Stab is currently in the works dealing with a a certain betting agency that allows people to bet in the U.S. um, kind of for the first time in surfing. Like, there have been some other, like, DraftKings did a little thing. At one point, there was this, like, grudge match betting thing where you bet kind of, like, one-to-one, like you just talked about with your friend, except it was over a mobile device and you could do it not just with friends, just with anybody that's on the site. Um, But somebody's coming in and they're setting up surf betting on, like, a round-by-round basis, which, to my knowledge, hasn't really been done in the U.S., um, and I think we might be partnering with them and that might actually become a major part of the cusp is us talking about, you know, some betting lines and whatnot, which is going to be fascinating and something that I need to learn how to do because being from America where sports betting is largely illegal and it hasn't really been an option with surfing, I am not, uh, my, my betting kind of terminology and knowledge are not up to snuff. So you might have to teach me a little bit. I'll just have to go and um, tap on my neighbor's door who is uh luke munro and um pick his brain because he 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 did a pretty and he still does has a pretty good crack at it through the aussie betting sites um pretty much every betting agency over here just follows him (laughs) so there was a funny one the other day actually where i think that they didn't take gabriel medina out of the odds for like a couple hours or something (laughs) so you would have got good value on john if you had been under that yeah, that's um, I'm like that world is so new to me, but also so exciting. Like, I'm probably just going to become an absolute degenerate and go into mountains of debt and die at like 35. But it seems like it's worth it because I love watching competitive surfing so much and being able to put some actual skin in the game just is incredible. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Hopefully, the rest of the season we're able to put some either real or maybe some theoretical money on surfing um so we'll see uh luke actually kindly enough put a hundred or so dollars might have been 150 in an account for me for my 21st birthday which is about 10 years ago and there was a heat at bells with jazz and andre and tash burrow and i'd blown the first 50 so i had a hundred left and i was just kind of looking to get the kitty back going up again and Taj had like he was paying like a dollar 50 or something and jaddy was paying like three bucks and i was like fucking sweet that's a no-brainer threw me 100 down on Taj and he gets absolutely whipped by Jaddy at four foot bells bowl and um, that was the end of my surfing betting career and I've never gone back since (laughs) (laughs) well you might have to uh, you might have to kick that account back into gear throw a couple extra shekels in there Uh, maybe, maybe we'll even get a stipend from the bosses Maybe that'll be part of the deal, is we get a, a yearly stipend oh, that we get to play that's around amazing. with to talk oh, about Oh, that'll be pod. amazing. I'll let you deal with that. <laughs> so I guess that's it for Pipe. I, I tried to give you all the little secrets that I could find out there. Um, hopefully they'll be helpful. Actually, you know what? I have some more notes on individual people just at the end here. Like I kind of clumped people into groups. Do you want me to just run through and just have the the little tiny notes I have for each? Well, with all this new sports betting that's going down, the people want to know, Mikey. So give it to them. All right. So uh, Callum Robson, haven't seen him get a ton of waves at Pipe. Surfed with him at Sunset once. He was definitely getting some. Um, But he he doesn't have a Mad Hui sticker on his nose anymore. We basically learned that he decided not to renew with them and 
not because he had a deal with somebody else, but because he was basically backing himself to perform in Hawaii. So I'm a little bit torn here because on one hand, he doesn't look especially accustomed to these waves or, you know, he probably hasn't had that much experience out of pipe. Um, on the other hand, though, he, he's really fighting for something, and that something is himself. So, yeah, those are just a few little things to weigh up when you're considering Callum. Just quickly on Callum Robson, he has been fucking sending it on his Instagram, and I'm very nervous about the fact that I had him not making the top 22. That's all I can say. Oh, isn't that ironic that by being here and sharing a lineup with someone, you would assume that I have, like, better knowledge but all i needed to do is actually be on instagram to learn that he's been absolutely charging so uh one point for stacy on that one and also one point for me for putting him into the make the cut line uh group in our last pod uh okay so owen wright um obviously needs no introduction when it comes to large barrels but the one thing that we've noticed when watching him is just how fucking well he paddles he's just got the most ridiculously long arms and he it, it doesn't feel like he's like paddling it feels like he's pulling himself through the water like he's got like a rope under there and he's just like dragging himself it's insane so if it gets big you'd have to think that he's got a good shot here luca messinas the peruvian rookie i he he's out there a lot but he just he's so quiet and he just seems like a little bit like he's i don't know like shy and a little bit nervous around the the big groups of people i don't think he's scared of waves at all but just not especially assertive in a lineup which of course it probably makes people like him more than the people who are just trying to go for everything but i don't know how it will play out competitively carlos munoz he gets waves out at pipeline i think that that comes back to him spending you know years and years out here in the Volcom house people know him people respect him he doesn't seem to have a problem getting waves and he also knows the wave really well so he could be a good person to bet on um again Joel Chianca he is obviously not scared he got stuck in a cave and came up and doesn't give a fuck so Morgan Sibilic looks actually really confident he seems to be carrying a bit of that success that he had from last year into this year he feels pretty good um, but he too struggles to get waves at backdoor, so he's been over off the wall a bit with me. Still getting sick ones, but not quite at the main peak. Felipe Toledo, I personally have not seen him yet here. I guess I should check his Instagram to see if he is here, but yeah, he's one of the very few CT surfers that I have not seen in the flesh. Seth Moniz paddles out and pretty much gets, I wouldn't say ex- whatever wave he wants, but he goes and sits at the peak with like the boys and waits his turn and then when a wave comes that he wants he goes so he obviously needs no help out at pipeline steph gilmore interestingly i basically i think she's on the program that i'm certainly on in hawaii which is like i just want to get one wave every session and i feel like that's a success and i feel like that is pretty much her mindset as well like i'll see her paddle out at pipe super early one day and she pretty much gets like one sick one. It might even be at off the wall if she gets over the crowd at back door. And then she'll just go in at like 7.30, you know, like basically a half hour after she paddled out. For her, I think it's just like having the confidence to know that she can sit in the right spot, get the wave and go. And she's so good that if she's picking the right wave, she's going to make them. So I think for her, it's just like, I just, she just needs to get a couple. And I think that comes a lot from being on the Gold Um, Coast. Like you can have sessions like that where... As pumping as it is, if you get a good wave really early, the statistics will tell you even the best of the best have been known to do one wave or two wave surfs. 
particularly if you're training for an event, you don't surf for two hours in a heat. So you might go out there and you'll mind with having sort of 30 minute brackets. And if you get a good wave in that 30 minute bracket, well, then you've just got through the heat. Yeah, that's smart. Okay, cool. Um, next on my list is Connor Coffin. Connor just looks supremely confident. Like he paddles out and whether he's at off the wall or back door, he knows what waves he wants and people know that he's going to go and he commits and he gets them. Um, of course, he's had the advantage of having a house literally right smack dab in the middle of the lineup at Pipeline since he was a kid. Um, but hey, it's those little 1%, 2%, 10% advantages that kind of lead to people making that next step into the like level of hierarchy in the lineup, and he's certainly there. Jack Robinson, pretty obvious. Uh, same thing. He spent years and years at the Volcom House or the Billabong House, and everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. He gets most waves. Kelly Slater has been around a bit. I haven't surfed with him many times, but I've seen him out there, and I see him going on like weird waves, if that makes sense. Um, like he got this left in the latest pickup episode where he like bottom turns around this whole section and does like a huge turn out at pipe, which you just don't see many people doing. Um, interestingly, too, we, we didn't talk about him in the potential winners or even dark horses. That guy's had a third place finish in his last three runs at pipeline so i know he's 49 years old almost 50 but do not count him out totally agree um i, I think that uh he's still got it in him to win that comp for sure yep and then um lastly i have two of the rip curl guys jacko baker and samuel Pupo, who honestly look a little bit lost out there um jacko actually hit his head on the reef about a week back and he had some stitches in um he's rocking a helmet now as is uh, Callum and a lot of other CT surfers, actually, now that we're on the point. But, yeah, Sammy, I saw him pull into one at off the wall, didn't make it, seemed like he took off, like, too deep, kind of, like, was never going to make it sort of thing on a really good wave, actually, which is great that he's trying, but it just seemed like he didn't quite have a a read on it. And um, Jacko, just talking to him, it just sounds like he's been struggling getting waves, which is unfortunate, but it's also reality and yeah it's it's not easy for anyone and pipeline it doesn't do anybody any favors you got to go out there and take it as uh as leo fioravanti said it's eat or be eaten so that's pretty much it that guy does some eating uh yeah no it's going to be interesting i can't wait for the comp to fire up i'm glad to go straight into it i hate nothing more when they you know you get advertised a comp date and then there's like just straight into a week off so yeah hopefully this thing gets underway straight away and um yeah we can get get stuck into it yeah waves are going to be cooking um can't wait to see the women out there i really really hope that they just push themselves because they can fucking do it skill wise for sure it's it's hard, but it, they're there. So I hope it's just a matter of going. And yeah, I guess we'll see in the next couple of days. This will be going live. And then uh, hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about next week or maybe the week after. Looking forward to it, Mikey. We'll chat to you soon, brother. All right, Stacy. Until next time, this has been the Stab Cusp over and out. Thanks, Stace and Mike, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to send your surf sins in, your surf sins or other people's. Doggy mates, send their mistakes uh, in for, for us to judge. 